second thing, but that's okay. We were used to these things. But it was very, very important. For It's a very selfish thing, actually, right now. Um, this is not a shir. <clears throat> it's not a concert. It's a little bit of a shvicha salev, a little bit of just a simple outpouring of, of my neshama, of the soul, based on the last few days, based on today. Um based on a few phone calls that I had today. And um, it's a schmooze. It's a little bit of a schmooze. And I don't even know where to begin, but I'll begin in the middle. Reb Shlomo used to do that a lot also. He began in the middle, so I'm, 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 I'm beginning in the, in the middle right now, I guess. Um, I once heard from my dear friend David Sachs in Los Angeles that... And I try mentioning it quite often in Sayyidimei Tshuva, that the days of Sayyidimei Tshuva, the ten days of repentance, are what's called the days of wet cement. The cement has something craved, you know, carved into it from Rosh Hashanah. So it's the days of wet cement. And um, the, the cold question is, what do you want, what would you want to make sure that you're carving in or that you're not messing up on these days of wet cement. So that Torah works for almost every year. But I have to be, and I want to be, brutally honest with you, is that I have no idea what that Torah means for this year. Because I know that Rosh Hashanah just took place, because I know it was on the calendar, and I know that I heard Shofar. More than that, I don't know that much. <clears throat> More than that, I don't know. I know that the year ended off with a, a, a shtickle Purim, in my life at least. Um, this crazy story about this Michal Shapiro medley, melody that was taken by these Mexican DJs whatever, that's, that'll be all another schmooze, but I thought like, maybe there was like a, we were leaving, we're leaving the year in a little bit of Purim, we're going to go into, and it'll be like this big Purim fest, Rosh Hashanah, and, um, and I know, <clears throat> I know because I believe in davening, I know that up there in Shemaim it must have been the sweetest, most hearts of Rosh Hashanah ever, 
It must be. It has to be. But down here for us that are, that are searching and are waiting for a tremendous gilui, a revelation, it's very, very difficult. Very difficult. Especially for us here in Efrat. Very difficult when 50 to 60% of your whole community and neighbors are all in Bidud. They're all in quarantine. People finding out that they're in quarantine just hours before Yantiv. Families doing the whole tefillah on their mere pesot so that they could hear a shofar blowing. Our own precious minion, maybe 25 men, warriors, 25 women, mamish warriors. We tried so much and I was able to hear other minyanim. Everyone like gave, gave everything they had. But I thought about something right before Yantiv that I shared with the Chavra that really made the pressure on put on those that really need to get it together this year. And that is that um, every year on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, you have what's called Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Yidin that come to Shul. Those are the Jews that don't make it during the year, and they make it at least for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But this year you didn't even have Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Yidin in Shul, because there was no Shul for them to go to. What's a Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Yidin? A Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Yid is not someone that thinks that Megiel or anything. He has, doesn't think that he deserves anything. But he knows that he can't not be in Shul. And in Shemaim, they look down at that Yid and say, Ah, he, he just can't be away, right? And that's why, he, that's why he's here. And I'm sure it brings such a Ne'imut, such a pleasant place up there in the heavens. And those Yidlach probably were not in Shul this year because they didn't have any Shul to go to. So that place inside of us, that Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Yidla, that's a, that is, exists inside of us, had to show up Rosh Hashanah. And now it has to show up a Tshuva, and it has to show up for Yom Kippur too. The only thing is, this type of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Yidla never existed before. Because we have no idea anymore what we're trying to connect to. I was sharing with my daughters late last night. I said, you know, Abba usually, I was being very honest with them. I said, Abba usually, you know, he, he, he Rosh Hashanah Kippur, every year I feel like I go through some kind of a, mamish, like a car wash. And then Motzei Rosh Hashanah, I feel this, his chachas, I feel, I don't know what it is exactly, but I know that there was like something really, really big happening. And now I'm going, to, going to, I'm going to continue to unravel what that was during a Sersimei Tshuva. And hopefully on Yom Kippur, we'll all bring it down together, Mamash Chazak, right? And I turned to my daughters, I said, Girls, I promise you that Abba's never going to tell you what, what you want to hear. But this year, Abba really doesn't know. Other than it was a privilege to spend more time with you this Rosh Hashanah than I ever did in my life. I was home from shul at 10 to 11. So I think that in order for the, 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 this shmuz to have a point, and, and because there, I think there is, I'm just going to sing, I'm going to sing a poem, for me it's now it's a poem nigun. That nigun from Michal Shapiro. Amevin Yavin. I <laughs> 
try to find an inner meaning to anything I go to I go to uh, Ruff Ginsburg Ginsburg and I get sometimes a little zets I get a little gematria sometimes and um, it kind of aligns me and it puts me in a, a clearer place so as Rosh Hashanah was coming along and Nothing on the level of behirut, on clarity, was taking place. I had one of the things I printed out was from Rav Yitzchak Ginsburg. And those of you that don't know Rav Yitzchak Ginsburg, Rav Ginsburg is a, to say he's a giant is, is understating who he is. 
He's a gon oilam, the level of, of, of brilliant genius that is very, very rare in the whole world. And the way his mind works with calculations and with gematrias and between science and, and, and math, and it's, it's unbelievable. Being in his presence is really a schut. So I saw that in one of his letters that he wrote for the new year, he wrote, every year he does this, where he takes the name of the, of the year, Tavshin Samech, Tavshin Ayin, Tavshin Pei. And he took Tavshin Pei Aleph, and he said the Gematria of Tavshin Pei Aleph, it hit me so deep when, he, when, he, when, I, read, when I read this. He says this, Yod Ei Trua. Yod Ei Trua. Ashrei ha'am yod ei trua. Yod ei trua. Those that know the trua. Those that know how to cry like it's no one's business. As well as those that know how to also reign like a champion. Hariyu lifnei Hashem. Trua. This is a pasuk we say. Bait ki eshofer. Ashrei ha'am. Tavshin Pe'alef, where Ginsburg was saying, is the year where you have to know how to cry and you have to know how to also beam like a warrior that wins. And that's very, very difficult. <clears throat> Either. I mean, both sides are difficult. But as I was thinking about this more and more, it became clear to me, and it's becoming clear and clear to me, that this pressure we put on ourselves to feel certain things, it's just got to go. It's just got to go. It's, it's, it's not going to work. The space for us to just feel whatever it is we're feeling will probably lead us much more naturally and organically to a place that's called Yoide Terua, the ones that know how to cry. I was speaking with someone that told me they had the worst Rosh Hashanah of their life. Why? Because nothing of what they thought they were supposed to feel they were feeling. I said to the person, what? Why are you under the impression that you're supposed to feel something? And then I also spoke to someone that said they had the best Roshan of their life. Why? Because there was no reason for them to be besimcha, and they were able somehow to still be besimcha all the time. And it was the highest Roshan for them. Who's right? They're both right. Who's wrong? Nobody. The point is that here we are, Motzei Tzom Gedalia, and none of us have any idea what's going to even be on Yom Kippur. We have no idea. We have no idea where we're going to daven, if we're going to be davening in a minion. We have no idea about just about anything. Kimat, kimat klum. Besides one thing. And that's a ratzon. I know that I want to feel you, Ribbon Shleinam. I know that on Rosh Hashanah when I sang Gale Kvod Malchus Chaleinu Mehera Vehofa Veinosa Aleinu I know that I meant it. I know that when I said Vaavinu Litzian Irchaberino Oh, Gevald, did I mean it. 
came and passed so fast because davening was the shortest davening we ever had. No one davened nearly as long as they're used to. No one. By us, we started at 6.30 and we were able to, when I say able, we were able to end by a quarter to 11 because the outdoor space that we had was getting really hot and the light was coming and hovering, the, the sun would have been made it, make, make it impossible for us to stand in that place. I shouldn't say impossible, I should say nearly unbearable. But the Ratzon that I want to feel, the davening that I'm saying, that is so true. That is so, that is so right. And it's something that gets deeper every year as we go along. And I was looking for a lot of chizuk myself, a lot of chizuk, and I still am. But I want to make it, like, just want to open it to everyone and to understand that there is no pressure to feel what you think you're supposed to feel in a world that you and I could have never, ever, ever imagined would be in the state that it's in. And when Satan sees that we feel guilty over feeling or not feeling what we want to feel or don't want to feel, it gives Satan a lot of nachas. But when he sees praiseworthy are the people that give themselves the space to look up at the Shemaim and say, was that just Rosh Hashanah? Because Rosh Hashanah is usually my batteries, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and I have no idea what just happened. It's a little bit of a shift in the way that we understand things. But if, it's the, if these are the days of wet cement, it's on each and every one of us to really care for the pavement in ways that we probably never did before. So in the Svarim, these days are called Yamim Shel Benunim. These are the days of the Benoni. What does that mean? Obviously, in order to understand what a Benoni means, you're going to go to the Alter Rebbe. And in the Tanya Kadisha, the Tanya explains how the, the Benoni is kind of like in this middle state of It's like there's always one Avera can lead him, can tip the scale, and then one Mitzvah can also tip the scale. And by, by, by tzaddikim, it's completely different. There's no scale there. The, 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 the mitzvahs completely outweigh any of there that maybe even could be. And by, by, by Rishayim, you know, their mitzvahs are barely seen. The averas completely out-tip the scale and they outweigh the scale. But a benoni is somewhere in the middle over there. It's a concept the Rambam brings down. And these days that we're in right now, these days of wet cement are called the Yamim of the Benoni. And obviously the question is, how, let's face it, who, who in the world, right, it says that Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, those who are going to be written in the Sefer of, of Chaim, they're, they're, they're written in the Sefer of Chaim. Those that are going to be written in the Sefer of, of not so much Chaim, they're written in the Sefer of not so much Chaim. And then the Sefer of Benonim is opened up during a Sesame Tshuva, right? To give a chance to those to tip the scales by the time they reach Yom Kippur. But the Tzadikim asks, like, can anyone really say, 
Is there any such concept of a person who's actually mechze al mechze, that they are literally 50-50? Like if you, if you x-rayed their neshamas, and you really took all their mitzvahs and all their averas, and you put it on a scale, you really think there's such a concept of benoni, of, of 50-50? So I saw that by Rav Kluger he explained so beautifully that in each and every one of us there's a tzaddik, there's a benoni, and there's a rasha. There is a place inside of us that's not... We, we have no doubt this year that we're going to keep Shabbos. We're at Tzadik with Shabbos. We're going to have a Gevald, also Pneumius of Shabbos. We're going to have great Shabbos. Shabbos is not an issue. There's also a place in us, <laughs> and there is shame that we know already, for sure, <laughs> there's no chance in... Uh, or it seems like there's no chance in really uh, ridding ourselves of a certain bad habit, whatever that is. But in each and every one of us, there's a benoni. Meaning there are things that are mamish on the scale, and it's 50-50. And in Asayasi Mechuva, there's this, there's this very wondrous opportunity that allows us to be really real with ourselves. It doesn't come around so often. And you could actually feel the scale tipping with every Avera you choose not to do, and with every mitzvah you choose to do. And today I got heartbroken in the deepest depths. Today I saw an email that I think explains to me, for me, explains to me the whole Indian of, of how delicate this matter is. I got an email with a link to an article in, I think it was J-Post, and the headline was, are you still wondering why Corona hasn't left us? And it was a video of the few hundred breast lovers that were there that are dancing in Uman without masks. That's what the Sifram Shalbenonim is open for, right? We've lost our marbles, Chavr. We've lost our minds. This is a person who actually thinks he's doing something holy in the name of God. But forget the breast lovers in Uman, the Stama Duguma. That was just the email that I got today. Can you imagine a moment before he said he would have sent the send button? If he would have thought for a second and he would have said do I really think this is going to get any chassid to put on a mask or not? Or do I really think that someone's opinion about another Jew will become more filled with love right now? Or do I really think that I'm really raising corona awareness by doing this? If a second before we do all the things that we do automatically, we would stop and breathe in these questions, the Mechza questions, the Benani questions, these are the questions that are carved down right down the middle, where it can go easily either way. And everything's always in the name of God. It can go either way. But that moment that I stop and I say, do I want another year where I don't even know if I had Rosh Hashanah or not? 
We all know that these days of Mechza, these days of Benani, these days of wet cement are really the days of Ben Adam Lachaveiro. The days of Elu, Rosh Hashanah. The tshuva we focus on is much more Ben Adam Lamakam. But it's the phone calls that happen, usually doing a Sesame tshuva, right? The phone calls. It's interesting how we call people twice a year, either Erev Yom Kippur or also on Purim. One is to tell them how much we love them sober, and one is to tell them how much we love them not sober. Here we are, a few days before Shabbat Shuvah, Yom Kippur. So many Bar Mitzvah boys, my heart goes out to them. Especially one of them, one sweet, precious one, who's supposed to go to the Koto this Thursday morning for my Kehillah year. Sweetest little angel in the world. I want to tell him and all the Bar Mitzvah boys and all the Hassan and Kalas who, with their, with their brave Omet Halev, courageousness of the heart, decided to move forward in, with life with different plans that didn't work. I want to tell them, I want to look them all, the, all in the eyes. Anyone who has makrived someone or something because of what's going on and tell them the message isn't crystal clear to us yet as to what's going on in the world. But hareni mekabel alay linshom lifnei shani medaber. Behold, I take it upon myself to breathe before I speak. To breathe before I send out an email. To breathe before I respond. You remember the story that two people had a dispute? And it, and it was a very you know, important halachic dispute, and they didn't know what the answer was, so they came to the Heiliger Rizhner. They came to the Rabbi Israel of Rizhner. And Rishul Vision said, okay, let me, hear your, let me hear the case. And they brought the case before the Visioner. And then one of them said, I know I'm right. I'm right. And the other person said, I don't, I don't know who's right. That's why we came to you. So the Visioner looked at the guy that said, I'm right. And he said, Mashiach's not going to come for you. He said, what do you mean Mashiach's not going to come for you? He's like, you know already the answer. What do you need Mashiach for? You know what's right. And who's not right? So what do you need Mashiach for? This Yidler just wants MS. He doesn't care if he's right or if he's wrong. He wants truth. MS. Ki atahu yoitzram. Ve'atah yoidea yitzram. Ki heim basar vadam. MS, you are the one that created us all. You're the one that never forgets that we're Basar Vadam. Apparently, we have this very weird complex that we forget that other people are also Basar Vadam and also are working with Yitzarim. So I feel like this year, the tshuva of Elul is nothing in comparison to what needs to happen this week. The level of kafschus that needs to be raised to the ceiling this week is probably like never before. And when we say kafschus, when we say judging people favorably, we're not just speaking about those that we love, that we can love them better. Or those that are more or less like us, but not exactly, it's okay, I'll drop that little thing that bothers me about them. We're talking about those that we could say, B'Shem Hashem, that it's okay to smash these people. Other types of Yidin. Because what's left? 
Like, what, what's left? What, what Indian is left for us to say, this is what needs to be done right now? What's left? When Reb Shlomo first came to Eretz Yisrael, first time, it was 1959. Um, everyone knows that um, the first album that he that he put out was on a Shamalach, and the money that he made from that album he used to buy his first plane ticket to come here to Eretz Yisrael. And um, there's a lot of stories about that trip. That trip was really amazing he wrote on a very incredible he wrote one of them in my opinion one of the most hard to get during that trip um, but one of the things that happened to him when he was there was he was sleeping in uh, Shari Chesed and it, basically one morning he, he woke up late he was very mocked on that I guess started from a young age so he went to Shai, in Shaykhes and he davened by the, the Chabiner Rav. Everyone knows the Chabiner Rav, Rabdov Beresh. Uh, Rabdov Beresh Weidenfeld. He was a gone oilam. And he was actually looking for a minion that morning, the Chabiner Rav. And Rabbi Shlomo had a privilege of being part of that minion. And after davening, this is what the Chabiner Rav said. And uh, since I'm, I, I'm probably not going to be with, with, with most of you on, on Yom Kippur, and I wasn't with most of you on Rosh Hashanah, if there was one thing I would say if I was with you, it's probably the following, this void from the Tshabinu Rav. You know, on Rosh Hashanah we say, Like a shepherd who's checking his sheep. That's what we say, right? Like a, she- like a shepherd checking his sheep. Uh, that he takes the, the, the sheep and they pass under his shevet, under his stick. So there's a Torah. Sorry, just got to mute everyone that's not muted. Thank you. So the Zohar Kodesh says that every animal has like a little bit of good and a little bit of bad. That's what the Zohar Kodesh says. Every animal, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. But he says that sheep, sheep is different because sheep are completely, completely good. So if a sheep makes a mistake, the Zohar Kodesh says, it doesn't come from being bad. It's not, that's not what's driving it. It's just that he really made a mistake. So the Tshubin said that in Rosh Hashanah we say, the Ribbon Hashem looks at us and we're completely good. And if we made a mistake, it's just because we innocently made a mistake. But not because, not because we're bad. Just because we really made a mistake. So, if we could look at another person that does a mistake, they do do a mistake, and ourselves as well. But we look at it, the way that we want to look down, they want, they want, we want Hashem to look down at us, and Yom Adin, and Yom and Yom Kippur, then this, 
second understanding of Yod Eid Truah will take place. Yod Eid Truah, Asher Ha'am Yod Eid Truah. Praiseworthy are the people that know how to Aleph, how to cry to Hashem, because they want so badly to be able to believe that we're all sheep. And we cry over the fact that when I look at other people, I still don't feel that when they make a mistake, it's because they just made a mistake. I believe they're inherently bad. But if I dive in over it enough, if that becomes my Oba Shani Yom Kippur, my Avinu Malkeinu, Ein Lanu Melech and since I have no king other than you, I'm asking you one thing, please let me look at others the way that you then the second understanding, Yod Eitrua, will happen in Tafshin Pe Aleph. Yod Eitrua, we will know how to leharia. We will know how to roar with the roar of victory that we did it. Hashem brought this whole Mishigas upon us just so we could choose to look at people the way that we hope and pray. That Hashem looks down at us. So sing with me, please. This is the most angelic nusach in the world. This is the nusach I had the privilege of walking down to, to my kala. Oh, 
We continue tomorrow.